Turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, at verse 25. Before I read, beginning at Luke 2, at verse 25, I'm sure that most of you, certainly many of you, one time or another have been at a, a dinner, your home or a home, at a uh, social gathering, at a party, and things are going very well. Everybody's having a good time. There's laughter and joy and happiness, those kinds of things. But it's suddenly interrupted by someone who dampens the festive occasion, like, like putting a wet rag on it or a full balloon. The air starts going out of the balloon, you know, and everybody becomes very quiet because this person says something very unnerving. And perhaps the person even gets up and walks out and slams the door. And for a moment, there's kind of peace and quiet. Everybody's shocked. They don't quite know how to, how to handle it. What happened? Everything was going so good. We were enjoying ourselves. Everybody was happy. And now this. Well, something similar happened during the first Christmas time. We're going to be looking at that for a few moments this morning. The second chapter of Luke begins with good news of a great joy. But then appears Mr. Scrooge. Yeah, he shows up in this wonderful narrative. Most people don't associate this hip man we're going to meet with the Christmas narrative, but Luke does, as if to say, wait a minute, don't take your tree down yet. Don't remove your lights and decorations. There's more to the story. In fact, a very important thing that you should not miss when you think about the birth of Jesus. So let's read about this. Listen to me as I read from God's Word, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there's the man I was talking about. His name is Simeon, a prophet of sorts, very godly devout man, a student of the Old Testament, as we call it today. He was very much aware of Daniel chapter 9, the last verses of that chapter, which gave a general time when the Messiah would finally come and appear. 
He would have been aware of Micah 5, too, that he would be born in Bethlehem. He also knew about Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 1, which says, The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And so at verse 26, as I read for you a moment ago, we find that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die till he had actually seen the Messiah. What a remarkable revelation to this man. Now, Simeon undoubtedly had been looking for an imposing figure, a mighty warrior who would come in majestic style as he entered the temple, marching up the steps, coming into the temple. But at verse 27, as he came in the spirit into the temple, Simeon saw the parents coming forth to bring this little child, this little baby, according to the certain customs of the law. They came in and they presented the baby to him. And then in verse 28, as he takes him up in his arms, he has a moment of recognition here. The Holy Spirit enables him to recognize that the child Jesus was the promised Christ, the one who would be the Savior of God for all peoples, Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor, educated, non-educated. The hearts of Joseph and Mary were undoubtedly stirred with, with great joy and happiness as this moment came together. They knew who the baby was. And now they realize that it's been revealed to Simeon that he now re- understands who it is. He must have been astonished to have found that the Messiah was coming as a little baby boy, so this majestic, mature, heroic figure. But he puts everything together. We can envision Mary as a particular bigger than normal smile on her face. Her heart is filled with a profound happiness. Simeon's words were in perfect accord as he gave them these words in verses 29 through 32. Lord, let your depart... Servant, depart in peace. I've seen the Lord, your salvation, a light for the, to the Gentiles, glory for the people of Israel. Mary's smile got wider and wider. She knew who this baby was. And now Simeon is acknowledging that. But suddenly, as she reaches, come forward to receive her child, Simeon holds on to it with a very firm grip, and backs away from Mary. And suddenly the smile is gone from Mary's face. And she realizes something terrible is about to be said. What is happening? Simeon, why aren't you giving your child back to me? Because, Mary, there are some things that you need to know. Last Sunday afternoon, the choir sang a very familiar song, Mary, Don't You Know? But those words have to do do with, Mary, don't you know the wonderful things that your child's going to do? He's going to uh, calm the storm, going to heal the sick, he's going to raise the dead, these kinds of things. But Mary, there's some other things you need to know that you may not be prepared for yet. Let me tell you. In verse 35, the first, right, well, what he says in verse 34, the first word is, Behold. 
coming words of an expect, unexpected truth about to be revealed. And we can see Mary think, oh, what, what's he going to say here? Mary, first of all, did you know that this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel? Appointed, that is, it's been ordained, it's been set, it's been determined. It won't be accidental, it will be a divine purpose behind his destiny. What's a destiny? A destiny is a predetermined course or a plan. This is what's going to happen. Mary, some people are going to fall. In Isaiah chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, the Messiah is spoken of it this way. He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Your boy is going to be like a stumbling stone, And all kinds of people are going to trip over that and fall and be broken. That's what's going to happen later on in the life of your little boy. We think of those during Christ's ministry who imagine themselves strong, relying on their own merit and their own abilities. They were very proud of their accomplishments. Even while being brought low by his teaching, they weren't about ready to submit to Jesus. And eventually they came, came to woeful ruin and undoing as they rejected him. The scribes and Pharisees, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. The rich young ruler, this young man who had such promise, he went away sorrowful. Whatever happened to him? As far as we know, he just fell away and that was it. Herod, Pontius Pilate, the governor, Religious rulers like Caiaphas, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve. Those yelling for Christ's death, how much they fell. The nation which fell between 66-70 A.D. as the Roman soldiers came in and destroyed Jerusalem and knocked down the temple. Later, the Jews who rejected the message of the apostles of the good news of Christ, they fell. And others down through the centuries have stumbled over Jesus Christ. Well, they've heard of him, most people. Some have never heard him yet. They have fallen, they're broken and crushed in their lives, spiritually speaking, as they reject Christ. They have fallen. Mary, that's what's going to happen to some people who come in contact with your son. However, others are going to rise. Others are going to be lifted up. Many in Israel, it's going to happen. And so Jesus is going to be like a stepping stone for them, not a stumbling stone. Like a resurrection from the dead, being raised to eternal life. This is what happens in conversion. For some people, it's more dramatic than in others. But whether it's a dramatic conversion, or whether it's a very simple prayer uttered when you're a little child, along that way, You are raised up by the power of God through your faith in Jesus, trusting in Him alone for your salvation. You realize you're dependent completely upon His work, what He has done for you. Some of you may have read the book, came out many years ago, by Chuck Colson, Born Again, 
about this man who worked for President Nixon, very harsh man, a hatchet man kind of guy, uh, no thoughts of spiritual things, of God and Christ. But through the testimony of some of his friends, they led him to the Lord, and he had this remarkable lifting up. He had stumbled over Jesus originally, but he was lifted up in a glorious conversion. I hope all of you here, hearing my voice, have experienced that along the way. Somewhere or another, you've been lifted up, or perhaps you have fallen and you are still flat on your face, spiritually speaking, and you're not right with the Lord as you have come in contact with Jesus Christ. This is why it's been part of the destiny of Jesus to bring division. Men are either for him or against him. There's no other way. Either they earnestly seek his righteousness and will, or they pass him by for their own selfish pursuits and pleasures. With Jesus, there's no neutrality. Over at the end of John chapter 6, there was a large multitude of people. They called themselves disciples. We're not just talking about the 12 disciples. We're talking about a large number of people who were learning, following Jesus, trying to understand what he said. But he was saying some very difficult things, especially in that sixth chapter of John. And finally, we read, from that time on, many of his disciples forsook him and went away. I've had it. No more of this Jesus of Nazareth. No more of this rabbi from there. We have nothing more to do with them. They fell. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. You say, wait a minute now. Isn't he the prince of peace? Yeah, that's another story. But here he is saying, That's not why I came to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. What was Jesus saying there? saying simply that in a given family, there are going to be, at times, some people who will come in contact with me, and they'll put their trust in me, but the rest of the family will not. There's going to be a division right in that family, spiritually speaking, between the believer and the unbeliever. A son against his father, and so forth. Mary, do you know that's what's going to happen with your son? That's how people are going to respond to him. But there's something else, Mary. Mary, did you know that this child also is appointed for a sign that is opposed Think of Jesus' three years of ministry as recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What do we find? He was despised, cursed, profaned, ridiculed, refused, ignored, attacked. He has a devil, said some. He was opposed by many. Many did not like him at all. Many wanted him dead. Mary, did you know that's what's going to happen to your little boy? He's appointed for that. Never was a prophecy more exactly fulfilled than this one. Although many people have been wonderfully saved, converted, justified, and brought to the Lord in a marvelous way, 
Many have not. Those who come face to face with Jesus can never be the same again. Do you know that sitting in this room today, if you're a believer, the Lord will take His Word, it never returns to Him empty, He's going to accomplish certain purposes in your life. You'll probably forget this sermon, what it was all about, but there's going to be a truth there that will be put deep into your heart, deep into your soul. And as you hear other messages and you have other Sunday school lessons, you have family worship or whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is taking His Word and building it into your character, and you are becoming more and more firm in your faith. But if you're not a believer, don't think you can just leave here today and nothing has happened. Another layer of hardness has come over your heart. You may not even realize it. Just one more time when you have said, no, Jesus, not for me. I'm not ready to commit my life to Him. No, no. And the next time, that will be a little thicker. And it gets a little thicker. Your heart, your soul, your attitude gets a little more opposed to Jesus. Mary, did you know it's going to happen? There's a great Scottish preacher named Alexander White. He said, this is such a horrible pit of a world that not even the Son of God Himself could come down into it and do the work of God in it without being hunted to death by evil tongues. Mary, that's the destiny of your little boy. To be despised, disputed, denied. While Simeon has been speaking, Mary's been standing there in sudden silence. Simeon has paused. You can envision her taking a deep breath, and then taking a step or two forward, putting her arms out now to finally receive her little baby. But again, Simeon backs up, holds on to the baby even more. says, no, Mary, there's something else I have to tell you. Mary, did you know that a sword will pierce through your own soul also? Someone has said that when Simeon said this, it was like adding a sharp, heavy black stone to the jewels in the treasure chest of Mary's heart. What would she have thought of? She probably would have thought of the, of the thick, broad sword, which were used in the military, and used in a battle. That sword would go plunging into the victim, and often they'd turn the sword, and it'd be excruciating pain and agony. Mary, that's what's going to happen in the depths of your soul. What I'm talking about the destiny of your little boy is going to be that serious for you and that bothersome for you as if a sword is plunged in the depths of your very being. What went through Mary's mind when he said that? Mary, when it's withdrawn, all your affections, all your mother emotions shall pour forth in a river intermingling love and grief. Mary has rightly been called the Mater Dolorosa, the mother of sorrows. How many sleepless nights do you think Mary had? 
What thoughts went through her mind as her son began his public ministry and this opposition began to rise as she began to hear the terrible things that were being said about him? What agonies must have gone through her soul during those three years of public ministry? And then that last week, climax at Calvary. If she had not been forewarned by Simeon and sustained by her strong faith, she could not have borne the trials that were going to come to her, and they were many. So what was Simeon doing here with these words? He's preparing Mary for that time to come. Otherwise, she could not have withstood the rough and thorny path that would be hers. When he said those words, to me, it just seemed like it's a wonder Mary was still standing. <laughs> it just seemed she would have crumpled down. And we would think that Simeon had said enough, but he says, Mary, I'm going to give your child back here, but just one more thing. One more thing. Sword's going to pierce through your own soul also, but there's a purpose in that. This is it. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The Greek word for thoughts has an unfavorable sense in the New Testament. It indicates the uneasy workings of an evil heart, of a sinful heart, of a rebellious heart against the Lord. Mary, by his sufferings, your son shall reveal the thoughts of hideous sinful hearts like that, and how much they really hate holiness. John 3.19, and this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. As Simeon uttered these words, we sense that this old man knows more about the moral rotten condition of his nation at that time than he maybe lets on. Mary, it will be the destiny of this little boy one day to be used by the Lord to penetrate and expose the sinful hearts of men. And my, did that happen. As Jesus went about with his teaching, there was hypocrisy. There was the mockery that came against him. Those that hated him. The bitterness of their attitude, their words. Even today, often when Jesus Christ comes up in a conversation, say you're in a witnessing opportunity, you're talking to somebody, and as soon as that name Jesus is mentioned, uh-oh, they're on the guard. They don't want any of this Jesus talk. They're not up for it. And they pull back. But by doing that, they are really revealing themselves, what they think of God, what they think of the cross, what they think of Jesus himself. He who said in John 18, standing before Pilate, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Ah, there's the problem. Jesus Christ is truth. And when those who are liars come against it, that's a different ballgame for them. And they go back from it. It is through the rejection or acceptance of Jesus it will become clear what people think of him. Finally, Simeon hands the baby back to Mary. Mary receives it into her arms. You can imagine her thoughts at that time, not to mention Joseph, who's standing by. Nothing's been said about him, but he's taking all this in too. But the focus here 
is on Mary. And the famous painter Raphael has a painting well-known called the Sistine Madonna. I looked it up in a book I have, and, and there's the painting. And as you look at Mary, it seems like she has a something of a stunned look on her face. Her emotions are displayed as she seems to be looking far in the distance. She's holding her baby, but she's looking far in the distance as if to take this in. Can this possibly be going to happen? All these horrible things that Simeon said about what's going to happen to my baby. Cynthia Moss has said about that painting, in Raphael's conception, it is as though the mystery of his mission had just broken across her consciousness, as though appalled by the waiting task. So there's the wet rag of Christmas, first Christmas, that Simeon slapped all over all over the joy and happiness that Mary and Joseph had been experiencing. And for us, this text comes right in the midst of our celebrations that we will be enjoying, especially on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, as we meet with family and friends, the gifts that will be exchanged, special music we will hear, the general merriment. We need to keep in mind that as glorious and as joyful as the occasion is of the birth of Jesus, he was born that he might die. He was born that he might suffer before he died. And through that, the Lord accomplishes his purpose to confront men in their sinful state so they might acknowledge that before a holy God and realize, I am a sinner. I need the grace of God in my life. I need the Lord to work in my life. And he hasn't, if he hasn't done that in your life, you need to call out to him and plead for him in your heart to do that for you. This message from Simeon did not come with great power. It came through Simeon, an elderly man, through a young mother, Mary, and through the little baby boy we know as Jesus, whose destiny was to suffer, to be mocked, spit upon, and eventually crucified. That he might say people like you and you, you and you and me from our sinful state. But praise the Lord, he is not a dead Savior. He is a risen Savior, an ascended Savior into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, who one day will come again. It's by our faith and trust in him that we have eternal life. It will die physically, but we shall be with the Lord when we die, when that happens, or when Jesus comes again, we shall be received through him because of the glorious work that this little baby boy eventually accomplished for sinners like us. Do you know him? I hope you do. Join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, again we thank you for your mercy to us and the grace shown to us in Jesus Christ. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. May we, at this time of year, as we enjoy the moment, may we also have moments of being rather sober and think through these things, what it all means, especially as we apply it to our own hearts and lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.